0: Welcome to Connecting the Dots, the podcast where we share our stories from the battlefield of consulting. I'm Johnny Hill, your host, and today I'm joined by several of my friends at Xpiro.
1: Hey, I'm Karim Jamal.
2: I am Phil Gambling.
3: I am Ted Wilmes.
0: Hey, I'm Bruno Verdeso. So we're all together today to talk about the sunk cost fallacy, what it is, why it matters, and how to know when you've bought into it. So let's jump in. So starting off, we should probably define what the sunk cost fallacy actually is like, from a psychological perspective. Um, my understanding is it's essentially when like, a person or like a group of people, a company, a department, uh, don't want to change or abandon a certain strategy or solution because they've quote unquote sunk too much time into it, time, effort, money, things like that. Uh, and they're reluctant to change it, even if it's obvious that their current strategy or approach isn't working. So that's what it looks like from a psychological perspective, but how have we seen this show up in the software and consulting world?
1: Sure. So even before we get into the software world, it's just good to realize how you see it in your day-to-day life, right? Uh, A common example of this is um, watching movies. So you're say you're halfway into a movie. It sucks. You realize that it sucks. you don't really want to keep watching it because there, it hasn't, you know, piqued your interest. There's no climax or twists or anything. You think it's going to suck for the next hour as well, yet you've already watched half of it. So why not just, you know, see it through and uh, watch the rest of it? Uh, that's an example where you have sunk some time into it. So now you just want to go through with it, even though, you know, it may not turn out well. So how does this you know, happen in the software world? Well, it happens in small and big pieces. Um, a, big, a big example is your technology choice, right? So say you've chosen uh, a front-end framework um, like Angular or something, and a good amount and investment through it, you realize, hey, this is not the best framework we should have used, maybe we should backtrack or do we continue sinking time into this and just see it through to make it work that's a technology example uh, in software
0: yeah you also see that like from the design perspective you know you may have a client where we've worked with clients before who have said yeah we spent all this time all this money with a big rebrand and we didn't do the research ahead of time, like the user testing, to see if it was actually going to help improve clarity, improve usability. And now that we've spent you know a huge sum of money and a, a bunch of time, and our, you know we've spent all of this effort with this big redesign, now it's worse. Is it really worth going back and changing it again? Uh, so that's you know that's partially a case for user testing, trying to get ahead of that before you make the big change, deciding. Uh, to to put in the time to to validate, to make sure it's a good idea, uh, make sure it actually will improve things. But it's also on the flip side, if you've already done that once, you can be more hesitant to try to do it again or to try to salvage because you've already spent so much effort on it, it didn't work.
2: And like, uh, it's kind of, it applies to organizations and it applies it down to the individual, uh, you know, as a developer, I kind of, I have this thought about going down implementation rabbit holes where, You're working on a feature. You're trying to fix that bug. You've spent days at it. You've written all this code, and it's just not coming together. But you don't want to throw away that code because you're kind of attached to it. You've like, I've spent so much effort into this. And Really, the the way you went, you took the wrong path. You need to throw it away and start over. Um, So kind of like to the individual and then to the organization also, uh, not just technology choices, but sometimes the buy versus build decision. A lot of there's the uh, not built here syndrome where, you know, a development organization goes off and builds this custom solution that they could have just bought off the shelf or bought as a service and spent way less time. But now they're married to that, you know, their custom solution uh, that they built in house, even if it's not nearly as good as something they could be paying for.
1: And it's one of those things that you just oftentimes just find out as you go. You couldn't really know as as you're going into it but as you continuously struggle and see that friction uh you stop and think hey you know should i continue down this path or not
3: yeah and i think this this can be pretty tricky because uh, uh sometimes because th- this has to do with you know people sinking large amounts of effort into something already there's emotional attachment um i, I as guilty of this as is anyone else for sure and so uh there's the emotional attachment but then there's also all of the things that actually went into this maybe original decision that may not be readily apparent and so sometimes with the sunk cost fallacy the identification of of it can actually be a little bit difficult like there could be you know parties with different viewpoints on this some thinking that moving in a different direction is worthwhile and and some others uh, thinking, well, you know, there were reasons we did did this thing and don't en- underestimate, you know, the implications of of going in a different direction. So this can be particularly tricky, I think from a technical standpoint, but then also just kind of an organizational um, and interrelationship standpoint of the, you know, teams that are identifying these sorts of things.
4: Yeah, for me, th- this is it's particularly hard to identify um, because I also I tend to get attached to the things that I build. So uh, I, I need to constantly be paying attention to what I'm doing and make sure that I'm not uh, detecting this kind of, of fallacies on, on my decision-making process. I think that uh, I, I I need to co- be comparing the costs of what I'm going to do next all the time to make sure that I'm not and um, considering the effort that I already put on building what I have right now, um, for me, it's pretty hard to, to identify when I, I'm these this particular fallacy.
0: Yeah, it's something that it's it's difficult to see in yourself. It's probably easier to see from the outside looking in. So, I mean, I feel like a big part of this, um, but maybe that's a good question. Like, how do you know when you have bought into this or you're just, you know, you're, you just need more time or you need more resources to make to make an improvement to make things change like how can you tell oh no we really have just bought into something that's a lost cause and we just need to throw in the towel
1: sometimes it's just taking a step back and breathing for a moment right as as each of us whether they be devs or ux just really put our heads down and get into it it's hard to see the bigger picture and you know we just keep working at it and working at it but sometimes every now and then just you know take your head up and see, hey, how much productivity am I getting from the work I'm doing? Am I really running into a lot of trouble or friction trying to get this through, Uh, right? I'm working with uh, the designer, but the tools we're using um, don't seem to be the best offering available right now. I have to go in and manually look up stuff instead of the tool automatically generating it. So sometimes it's just you know stop and look up Uh, or talk to people around you uh, that can be better at uh, noticing when you're sort of in this trap.
2: Yeah, I think like team velocity uh, decreasing, you know, features not being delivered on time, especially when they're like common problems, like usually associated with that same thing, maybe that same tech that that same system, you know, like, ah, we're always, we're always having problems with that, that guy, that thing over there. um, You know, maybe that's a sign that, yeah, there's a problem that you've, uh, you need to revisit that completely.
1: And sometimes it's just a a way to go about it is time boxing. Uh, You're looking, you know, working with the technology or whatever it may be uh, with specific key questions that you want answers to. Uh, and coming out of that, you can then take the next steps and figure out the direction you want to go,
3: yeah, and I think when you're looking at this, you kind of need to think about it's you know what's in front of me right now that's maybe being affected by this, but then also you know working with product uh, like what's what's the roadmap so how does if if we were to make a change um or stay with what we're, with what we're currently doing like Um, maybe something is a little bit of painful right now, but if we look at the roadmap, maybe it turns out, eh, you know, it doesn't look like we're going to get a big enough win to make it worthwhile. Or maybe it's the opposite. Like if we go in a new direction, this kind of unlocks roadmap opportunities that just aren't, aren't feasible on the, on the current system.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, so that helps understanding at least a little bit about how to identify when you actually are buying into this fallacy that you've sunk so much cost in that there's no other solution, just keep going. But I guess the big follow-up question from that is, what's the big deal, does it really matter? Like, what's the real danger of buying into this sunk cost fallacy?
3: Yeah, I think from, maybe not from the developer perspective, but more from say the customers that you're serving perspective, is just, you know, wh- what is the rate that I'm getting, you know, new features at? Um, what is the stability of those features? What's the stability of existing features? Um, if uh, the underlying technology is perhaps could, could, could use some sort of update in a particular area and that's not happening, it's going to manifest itself probably uh, directly to the customer Um, Or, you know, maybe if not directly to the customer, it's still going to be very painful for for the folks who are actually maintaining uh, to continue down that route.
2: Another one from a team's perspective is if you're constantly behind on delivering features, constantly having problems with with that troublesome uh, system, uh, that's going to really hurt team morale. It's going to hurt productivity. Um besides unhappy customers, unhappy developers, unhappy designers. Um, and so you know, when everything else might be humming along, but this one thing is just dragging everything down and and that kind of almost infection spread. So you you know, you want to tackle things that can affect the team uh morale and productivity um sooner than later.
0: Right. You might have a decent product now, but if everyone working on it's miserable it probably won't be uh, decent for much longer, especially if morale is low and you're, you're losing people because you got turnover.
1: And any one of these things will start feeding into the others and then you head into a downward spiral. Uh, and so you really wanna be you know, cognizant of how your choices and your direction is really affecting any one of these uh, key factors.
2: And
4: also uh, I was going to say, um you're going to take decisions based on on the wrong inputs, right? You're considering something that is not really valuable anymore. So if for every decision that you're making, you are taking into account what effort you put already on on building what you have, you're taking as as an input the the wrong measurement basically. And that measurement is going to grow over time. So when the time goes by, you are just thinking, um, about the wrong metrics to to decide what how to to do next or what what decision to do next what technology to do next um, or what approach to take. So I think the danger is uh, all the the things that we already men- mentioned. Uh, I think that there are um, direct consequences of of having considering the the wrong input on what to do next.
0: Yeah, and I mean the big obvious one is. It's expensive. If you're constantly if you're constantly going over budget and wasting money and losing talent, like that's that's really costly for a project, and that really affects the bottom line and everyone involved. So obviously, if you're using the wrong technology or you've sunk a bunch of money into the wrong technology, even though you know in your head, oh well, we'd be spending so much money to change it. If you're bleeding money because of you know it's it's not the right tool for the job it's going to be a painful initial step, but ultimately it's going to, it's going to help the financial stability of the project as well. But I mean, there's, there's other things we need to consider too, like other factors when you decide to make this decision other than that initial financial investment. So, I mean, what are, what are some of the things that you need to take into consideration if you're actually going to do this and say, this isn't working, we got to do something else.
2: Yeah. So if you're saying, okay, guys, we're, we're going to make, we're going to, we're going to make this change. We're going to go away from this, this decision that hasn't worked out. Um, you know, I think you have to manage how you communicate that uh, because people, like we've said earlier, are, you know, um, can be emotionally t- attached to these decisions, to the things they built. So, so, and people don't like change. No one likes throwing away code. Um, so that might really come off like a personal attack, you know, um, to use the Angular example, like, we're, we're going. We're going to React. We're getting rid of Angular. Uh, but someone may identify themselves as the Angular expert, and suddenly it's like, "Oh, we're throwing me away too." Um, so you really want to have um, kind of strong leadership and and communicate why you're doing this and manage people's feelings as best you can. It may, it may not be possible to lead, You know, get everyone on board. But know um, it's not going to necessarily be something everyone's happy about.
1: You also have to create this environment of psychological safety, right? Because if you're actually saying, hey, we made the wrong decision. Uh, let's not sink any more time and effort into this. Let's figure out a new solution. It's almost thought of as, hey, this first or you know this current uh, go at it has been a failure. Uh, and that was something that forces people to continue grinding through it, right? Because they don't want that failure uh, on them. Um, And so creating that environment where, hey, we're experimenting, we're trying to figure out the best possible path forward, it's okay to, you know, backtrack and figure out a better way forward. Um, uh, Needs to be accepted within the team and within the organization. Otherwise, there will always be resistance to, uh, you know, just putting that sunk cost aside and uh, starting fresh. Because, you know, it will come with... um, a higher cost for a time as you try to repeat the stuff uh, and do it in the the new tech.
2: Yeah, and like um, you want to basically, you could frame it as, "Hey, we sure, you know, okay, that was a great decision, but we're not pointing fingers at anyone." Or really frame it like, "Hey, we sure learned a lot from that experience. Now let's apply that to this new direction." So you know, try to put a silver put a silver lining on it.
3: Yeah, because many times, you know, everything has kind of a life cycle. So maybe this this thing actually served its purpose very well for a long time um, and then slowly kind of hit the other other side of the, the you know, the hill and started going down the slope. Um, but it doesn't mean that it, you know, it wasn't beneficial for a period of time. So within a in single project or, you know, the life cycle of a company, it's be a series of, of these kind of life cycle transitions. And so it can be difficult, but if you can kind of identify the right times to do those and, and uh, get people on board, you can smooth things out.
0: Yeah, I think just kind of capping that off, It like you were saying at the beginning, uh, Phil and Kareem, like a lot of it comes down to just clear communication from the leadership, from whoever is making the decision at the end of the day, hey, we're gonna go in this direction you know, being, being humble enough to be able to say, hey, yeah, we got it wrong before and showing their work and saying, Here, here's the research we did, here's how we came to this new conclusion, uh, inviting uh, comments and, and feedback on that decision instead of just saying, no, I'm unilaterally deciding we're going to do this now instead. Like having clear and open communication, clear and open expectations goes a really long way toward keeping people unified when you make this big kind of change. But I guess kind of pushing off from that, like if you're maybe in a project that like you think maybe this is going on, but you're not really sure, you know, you don't know if it's something you should bring up as a possibility, maybe w- what are some of the warning signs you need to be keeping an eye out for? What are some of the, the things that show this might be happening?
2: I think uh, maybe a warning sign early on in the decision making is, you know, when you're your team's evaluating different options is there a clear bias that everyone's already subscribed to. So they're trying to find they're you know, they're trying to, to, um, find a solution that, that or rather find a problem for the solution they know. So to beat on angular again, like everyone's an angular dev and it's maybe not the best choice here, but they, everyone just wants to find an excuse for that. Um, and then, you know, you can see that with, um, Ted, I mean, you've been in a lot of situations where everyone's convinced they have a graph problem, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, I've been convinced I've, I've had a graph problem uh, before myself. And so one of the things I've noticed just, just personally is it's, it's, especially in maybe on like a smaller team or if in an instance where, you know, maybe I've gotten really deep into something or a few people have gotten really deep into uh, something like say, hey, check out this cool graph technology. Um, and, uh, it, it's difficult for, for anybody else to kind of use or, 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 get up to speed on it. And, and that can really hurt velocity. So I think if you see where there's these scenarios where maybe there's, there's only like a, f- a few experts who are in up working in some, you know, core area, of your project or something, um, that could be a sign that, um, due to like no fault of the rest of the team. Um, but because of that particular technology, like it's just it's just more difficult to use than one would want. So, um, kind of yeah, keep keep your eyes out for something that isn't kind of I guess easily transferable to to the to the rest of the uh, rest of the team.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good way to note that you're you know falling victim to this is uh, if you have the luxury of having more than one person or a dev or UX working on the project, if you know, multiple people are experiencing that same type of friction. That's a good warning sign that, hey, something's not right. Um, And even in the cases where you only have one person working on it, if the project manager is routinely routinely talking to the person, um, you know, and communicating and keeping that open channel, they may sense uh, some growing, uh, you know, frustration from the person. and then they can you know, start querying more about it and digging into it to figure out, is it the person just being unhappy with something or is it more the, the decision, the choice that was made that's really causing uh, the, the frustration and the slowdown?
4: Yeah, another sign could be growing technical depth. If you see that for every new feature that you are putting in on, on, on the product, you have like losing code coverage, for example, on the tests, or introducing too many bugs, that could be another sign that you're picking the wrong tool for,
0: for the job. Okay, so yeah, there, there are obviously signs, but I think one important thing to note is there's no silver bullet. Like there's not a, a one thing that you know, oh, this means we need to change direction. Like you need to put the work in, you need to have the conversations, you need to do research, you need to, to ask other people and kind of gather your evidence before you decide, because this is a big decision to make. If you're, say you've been using Angular for 12 years, and now you need to switch to something else completely. That's that's a big decision. That's not something that should be made lightly. But I guess- Yeah, there's
3: quite an extensive kind of cost-benefit analysis. And on our previous episode, we talked about, you know, how do you go about even deciding whether or not to use new technology or something? And so that maybe, maybe if we flip the order here, it'd be like, okay, well- we identify a potential, you know, some cost fallacy situation, but then it's like, okay, well, cool, we identified it, but like, what's what's next? That's just kind of like the start of your journey there. Um, you need to validate whether or not that's really the case, and then you need to be like, okay, well, what are the
1: actual ramifications of of uh, addressing this?
3: Right, right.
1: Going back to our uh, movie analogy, it's hey, you know, I've sat through this, but do I find myself pulling out my phone now and paying more attention to that or looking around or going to go get some popcorn, uh, the extremely expensive popcorn at theaters, Um, extra butter, please. Um, Or just, you know, going randomly and sitting in another movie, right? It's those, those are all signs, you know, that something's just not right uh, with the current uh, direction that we're going.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so let's say you've identified that, yeah, this is this is a real thing. We we need to assess and move forward. Like, wh- where do you start? What do you do? Like, what are your options when you realize that you've bought into this sunk cost fallacy?
1: You uh, go out to the back and uh, beat up your printer and desktop with a uh, with oh your yeah
0: bag. yeah. Well, that happens, Yeah, you know, there's both the printer and they, they end by lighting the building on fire, right?
1: That's right. <laughs> Wait, No, it doesn't, no, what's his face? Uh, the guy with the stapler. The stapler, stapler guy does that. He has a light on fire, yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of the first things, uh, you know, whoever notices this is, you know, talk to the managers, talk to the team, uh, see if this is an issue, see what options we have to move forward. Sometimes you're just restricted by the, the, the pieces in place, right? So the, the budget, the time, uh, you can't really do anything about it. But other times, you know, you, there's definitely some wiggle room, some flexibility to uh, step back and make a different choice.
3: I think one of the things, this is more of like, what could you do maybe, you know, as a developer, you kind of, would hope that you'd always have some slice of your time where you were just able to concentrate on things like refactoring, you know, making things that are existing better. I guess it's pretty unrealistic to expect to get that, that chunk of time uh, in a lot of cases. But one option I feel like is, you know, realize that of of course we're not always going to make perfect decisions or something's going to go stale, but try to like, cut down that you know discovery time of of that particular instance so that you're not finding out and, and dealing with this you know big bang thing and instead you're kind of you know catching it up front but that can really be difficult just because it involves it this becoming part of your your processes at kind of every level
4: also another thing that I think is useful to do when you have these situations is okay when you detect that you're not you didn't make the right choice just try to uh, split or separate what you uh what you learn about the problem that is not related to the technology so you got for example if you pick the right the the wrong tool for for the job um you're learning a lot about the problem either way so just try to uh, get the, the maximum amount of information about um, what you already have without throwing everything away.
1: And ex- external opinions just always help, right? Whether it's expert or not, uh, right? Just having someone outside, not necessarily even the company, but outside the team, outside of your direct project. Um, if you can consult with them and get, uh, you know, second, third opinions, uh, that will help as well.
2: That can even be kind of an approach up front to help guard yourself against uh, those biases. Is also pulling outside expertise to help evaluate those things because uh, the outsider isn't going to be as as um, married to whatever ideas your your team might already have.
0: Okay, yeah. So so let's say you know you you recognize this is the situation you're in. You have some ideas about maybe how to move forward, some solutions for it. But, you know, what if you're in a position where you don't have the authority or the voice to really make any changes where you feel like you can't come to management, you can't bring these ideas to someone who maybe would have that authority? Like, what do you do in that
2: situation? So one approach is put together a small example If this is maybe like a. We're trying to evaluate technology choices, put together a small example, help communicate what's going on to leadership. So distill the problem down. Um, And then I think there's another factor of, it depends where you are on the pecking order, right? You may be too low too of a man on the totem pole for anyone to listen to your opinion, even if it's a valid opinion. So uh, maybe there's someone else higher up, maybe not necessarily in the same organization, but someone that that you have the ear of that can kind of help, communicate, or intercede on your behalf?
1: Sometimes you just have to realize that, hey, this is what it is, and you just have to make the best of uh, the situation you're in, right? There may not be that flexibility to change now, but at least you can learn from the current situation uh, to be able to apply it to the next one.
4: Also I think that you you can be positive about the problems, right? Um, even when you are down on on the field and dealing with a problem with the real consequence of picking the wrong tool. Um, you can be positive. You can have like a learn a lot about those kinds of situations. I think I think you can learn most uh, of those bad experiences that you have learned from the good ones. So just try to communicate with, with the Team really, not just the the manager of the team, but the, the people around you um try to spread the, the, your opinion. I think that's that's pretty
1: valuable. And that's a message you'll I think you'll hear in all of our episodes is communicate, right? There's no substitute for that. So whatever you do, uh you know, don't struggle in silence. Communicate to someone uh, that these problems are happening so you can work together to solve you know the situation you're in. Uh, communication and iced coffee pretty much solve every problem or at least start getting you on that road.
0: (laughs) Well, and honestly, if if you're in a project and no one's listening to you and you're recognizing their issues and you're sick of it, we're always hiring. So, you know, just check out our website if you're interested.
2: (laughs) Here, here. Especially good communicators.
0: I mean, we've obviously talked about a lot today. Like there's a lot to unpack from all of this. Um, I guess Kareem, how would you summarize just overall Cliff Notes version how would you summarize the sunk cost fallacy in a few words
1: So you know one do your homework um, you know see what's available see what you're using that still match up against you know what the recommendations are what you're using what the future version of the, the project holds um, be on the lookout early and often Uh, really you know don't be afraid to take your head out from the sand every now and then look around see what's going on you know uh, make sure you're not stuck in a rabbit hole Um, and then you know routinely consult others for opinions uh, to help mitigate your biases and blind spots um, and see if there's better better ways uh, for doing what you're doing and then do keep in mind that you know there is Uh, an emotional aspect in addition to the measurable aspects, Uh, you know, like time and money and effort that goes into it. People are tied to their ideas and implementations and however you handle the situation, you should be, you know, cognizant of, uh, you know, managing that with the, the emotional aspects in mind. And then, you know, we'll say it over and over again, but communication is key. Um, you should communicate early and often throughout this. Internally, and then, you know, the managers and leadership will be also communicating with the clients um, to, you know, see if there's any fallout or side effects from this approach. Uh, Ideally, all of you can work together to make sure you have uh, a better product in the end uh, that comes out of all of this. then since we talked about uh movies you know it'd be a missed opportunity if i didn't stick a bad joke in here so you know how did reese eat her ice cream
0: i don't even know with her (laughs) spoon Oh (laughs) gosh! and with that (laughs) thank you for joining with us joining us we look forward to community oh goodness i butchered (laughs) that And with that, thank you for joining us. We look forward to connecting with you next time on Connecting the Dots.